All right, as always, we're thankful for the for the good songs that Brother, uh, Brother and Sister Williams lead us in. Uh, we want to we turn our attention now to the Word of God. Assuming all hearts are free, all hearts being free, we'll turn our attention to the Word of God. But we always want to follow the leadership of, uh, of God uh, in His worship. Uh, I want to continue this morning in the ninth chapter of Matthew. Last week we preached out of the ninth chapter of Matthew and, uh, and we preached over the, the parable of the, the new cloth and uh, new bottles. And I want to continue after that um, because I think there's a really, uh, uh, you know, well, one, of the, one of the things that's included in there uh, is a familiar teaching which we, uh, which we have heard many, many times throughout the years. Many of us have, no doubt. Um, but they're just very correlative to to being saved, uh, and uh, and so we want to look there uh, here in just a moment. Before we do, I, I do want to add a, make a correction, and this was po- probably just uh, being swept up in the moment or whatever. From last week, it, we uh, we looked at the verse in verse ten where it says that Jesus said it meet in the house, and that was in Matthew's house. And uh, and so last week I, I I wasn't clear on that, but I wanted to be be clear because it's it's going to come into play here with what we are uh, going to look at here this morning. So we're going to start in the 18th verse, Matthew chapter 9, verse 18, and uh, and we're going to go down uh, down through verse 31, Matthew chapter 9, verse 18 through verse 31. And as always, we pray that the Lord will be honored with the reading of his word. Uh, And so we get started here. While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead. But come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, and, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be made whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house, he saw the minstrels and the people making a noise. And he said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand, and the maid arose. And the fame hereof went abroad into all the land. And Jesus departed hence, or departed thence, two blind men followed. Sorry, that's where I want to stop right there. I'm sorry, I was confused. I I wanted to stop at verse 26 here. I've got three different uh, instances I'm looking at. So we want to stop right here with the the young lady, uh, the young daughter of of Jairus. 
uh, and that's where we want to take our lesson from. And so, uh, uh, Yair, or Yairus, uh, that's his daughter that's going to be healed here, and he is a ruler of the synagogue. Now, Matthew alludes to this, that he's a ruler, because he says so down here in verse 23 when he says he came into a ruler's house. Now, if we go and we look at some of the other uh, interpretations, or not interpretations, the other Gospels, we look at Mark, for instance, in Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, it tells us this, that... uh, that behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue. Now, this wasn't the high priest, right? This was somebody who would bring um, the books in and hand them to the high priest. Um, but uh, anyway, it was somebody who was of great stature uh, among the Jews. Uh, and here he is, and, and he had this, uh, this great uh, position. Not of the Sanhedrin, the, the, those are different, uh, but, uh, but a great position nonetheless. He's in the in this city of Capernaum. Uh, All of this is taking place in Capernaum. And and so what's interesting here is, you know, you have this man, um, and uh, and his Hebrew name would have been Yair, uh, J-A-I-R is how we would spell it in English, uh, or how how it is spelled in English. Um, but uh, but Yah meaning God and and ear and so his man's name literally means enlightened and so you have this guy come and he's seeking out the Lord and isn't it, it I think it's fairly um, I've always find this interesting uh, because uh, when we read and study about Jesus's life. Uh, I think sometimes we look and we say, well, there wasn't any Jews that got saved during Jesus' ministry. That's just wrong. There were a lot that believed. And there were a lot that were in high positions that believed. And I'll just use uh, Jair here, or Yair here as an example. Uh, He's one example. Uh, Nicodemus would be another example. He being a Pharisee and and never would openly confess to being a member, or not a member, but, but being a follower of Christ because he was afraid of what the other Pharisees would do to him, but he was a believer in Christ, and so was Joseph of Arimathea, somebody who was rich, who took his tomb that was carved out for himself, and he said, put the Lord in there. Of course, we know uh, the Lord rose, arose again, and that tomb was empty uh, when uh, when Mary went there that morning as she met the angel and, he's, and, she, and, and was told he's not here. Uh, and so uh, we we got to kind of uh, approach this sometimes, not as uh, heavy-handedly as we do. We kind of have a tendency to do that. But you have this man who has come here on behalf of his daughter, right? Um, one of them says a little one, right? And the other one says a daughter. She's 12 years old. Uh, in the in the in the Jewish uh, context of looking at uh, uh, at a young lady, right? At a at a little girl, Lily's eleven. She would still be considered a little one. Um, this girl was twelve. She was still considered a little one from the time they were born until the time they were twelve. They were considered a little one. From the time they were twelve in one day, they were considered a young lady. And so we know this one right here. She's probably not 12 years old in a day because she's still referred to as a little one. 
And so anyway, we uh, we see here where he's he's come uh, and, and he's seeking out the Lord. And remember, we just had the interaction with Jesus and the Pharisees, but now you've got this ruler of the synagogue here in Capernaum who's come and he's prostrated himself before the Lord and he's asking the Lord to come and to save his daughter. She's she's dying or she's dead already. He's not sure. And so he comes to her and he says, Will you come and lay your hand on my daughter? Would you please come and do that so that she can be healed? Uh, and in the 23rd verse, Mark says this, And he besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. And so this is a. I'm going to approach it from the standpoint of a father and the uh, seeking or, or, or seeking out the Lord on the behalf of his daughter. Here, uh, he's uh, he's in a really he's in a panicked position, isn't he? Uh, and and certainly there are those that know a lot more about what this position that this man's in than I do, and that's thankful. Thankfully, I've never been in this position, uh, but goodness knows a lot of people have been. And uh, and so she's she's I'm assuming she's uh, she's had some onset of some acute illness. Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure what it is that she was suffering from, um, but uh, but needless to say, she's at the point of death. Uh, and uh, and Jesus decides, okay, I will leave Matthew's house. Uh, Matthew the publican, who he just called to follow him, uh, and uh, and we'll go with you, uh, and uh, and we'll go and we will lay hands on your daughter that she may be recovered. Now I want to tell you about an instance here, because there's still those in the world who believe that if you go uh, and lay your hands on somebody, uh, that you have the power to heal them of their illness. Um, we know who they are, and we don't need to run them down or anything like that. But I would just say this. Uh, I had a lot of family members who believed that way. Uh, and I've got a, a cousin. I believe it's a cousin. Her name was Sharon Rose. Uh, and um, she, was a, she was a very small girl at the time, or a young lady at the time. And, uh, and she was in a very similar position. And, uh, and, and they were all... Uh, they were being told, you need to take her to the hospital. She needs to go see a doctor to see what's wrong. And, and, uh, and they were like, no, the Lord's going to heal her. <laughs> Folks, this man went straight to Jesus. Jesus has the power over the physical body, and he has the power over the spiritual when we elevate ourselves to the position that that's been bestowed upon us, we run in a, we're, we're, we're putting ourselves in a very dangerous position because what we're doing uh, is really, in my opinion, you're either elevating yourself to saying, God's given me the ability to do the things that he's done. Now, we know that he granted the apostles the ability to do that, but he did that for a specific reason and a specific purpose and their commission was a limited commission that ceased when they died it did not carry forward the way a lot of people believe 
Now, I believe that God still works miracles all the time, but they're expressed like this. The doctors don't have an answer for why. Your child's doing as good as he's doing. Now, personally, and and this is not to laud myself, I thank the Lord. Personally, I'm able to stand here before you this morning under those same circumstances. Anybody ever had a doctor look at you and say, I literally don't know how you walk. And say, I literally don't know how you function. And so this may be what some people would say, I don't. (laughs) Well, I saw the eyes. (laughs) But um, when I was born, I was a forceps baby, if you may be familiar with that. And the doctors, um, being the anesthesiologist and uh, the OB that was uh, that was delivering us at the time, and this was at the hazard, the old Hazard Hospital. And if you if you're pregnant and you're in Hazard, I would personally just say go go to Lexington. <laughs> that's just me personally. Uh, that's not to say that there's not a lot of are born safely in Hazard or whatever. I'm just saying from my personal experience, I would go to Lexington. But um, but anyway, uh, my mother has recounted this to me time and time again, and I don't want this to get. I, I'm just kind of relating the, a personal experience to what this, uh, what we're going to have in our our lesson here. According to my mother, they didn't have her in the stirrups right, and um, and the anesthesiologist let her wake up. So when she woke up, she slid her hips over. And when she slid her hips over, that's when the forceps slipped. And if you guys want to sometimes, you can. You can come and feel the dent in my head that's still there. Where my head caved in when I was born. And I have um, not a small bout of epilepsy. And so when I tell people, when, when some people look at me and they say, you're crazy, I'll use the, the old King James and I'll say, look, you don't realize how crazy I am. I'm a lunatic. Because that was what an epileptic was called in the in the old in the King James. When you read about the the the, the kid who would fall into fire all the time, he had epilepsy, and uh, and so I, I have epilepsy, and I don't have a little bit of epilepsy. I have a lot of epilepsy, right? Uh, I uh, after I got turned 21, I did the things that young guys do when they turn 21. A couple days later, I'm uh, I'm driving, and boom. Lights go out while I'm driving. Next thing I remember is a guy tapping on my window. He says, don't move, you've been in a wreck. And I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> and so he, I get loaded up in the, in the ambulance and I get taken to the hospital and, and, and all that's, oh, you know, it is what it is. Now, Why'd that happen? That happened because, number one, because I didn't know the Lord and I wasn't living my life as if I knew the Lord. And I wouldn't stand up here and pretend otherwise. But now, what I came to find out later was uh, I got connected with a neurologist up in Lexington and I went 
in, uh, into his office and he wanted to do a sleep-deprived EEG. Is anybody familiar with that? So he wanted to check my brainwave activity. And this is the first time this had been done in my life. And, and my mom said this. She said, that lady, that nurse that was in there when your EEG was being taken, she scared me to death. And she was like, because that lady, she said, she would look at your EEG and then she would look back at me. And she said her eyes were as big as saucers. And she would look back at the EEG and she just, she just kept doing this. She, she couldn't believe the readings, right? So if you want to use it in terms of maybe uh, like a Richter scale for an earthquake, right? Because that's kind of similar the way the EEG will chart. And, and when there's an earthquake, the way the seismometers will chart, uh, you know, the, the how strong an earthquake is, it would probably be an 11 on a Richter scale of 10. And and that's not joking. That's that's literally what it is. And so the neurologist has me come back after he's read the report, and he looks at me and he says, "I really don't have an explanation for you." And I was like, "What are you talking about?" He said, uh, "Hey, I, he said, I don't even know how you walk." <laughs> and then I I switched to another doctor down in Nashville, you know, once I moved down here because I got tired of driving to Lexington to go to the doctor. And he was like, how long has it been since you've really had a seizure? And I was like, eh, probably haven't had one since that day. And uh, he was like, well, why are you still on the medicine? I was like, eh, yeah, I probably wouldn't break it if it's not broken. And, <laughs> and he was like, well, let's do a test just to see. And he was like, okay. So he's like, you got to come sleep deprived and all that. And I'm like, okay, I will. And so I got Amy to drive me down, and uh, and so we go down, and I'd stayed up all night the night before, and he, you know, they hook you up, and then what's what's funny is once they hook you up, they you're allowed to lay there and go back to sleep or whatever. And uh, I went back after that was done, and I looked at the doctor, and and he came in the office, and I looked at him, and I said, "What do you think, Doc? You gonna get me off this medicine?" He said, eh, we'll probably just leave it. <laughs> and so, anyway, the point of that is, I've had two doctors in my lifetime look at me and say, I literally don't know how you walk. Because my epilepsy is so bad. One day, eventually, this body will get old enough that it won't be able to deal with it anymore. It's just natural, isn't it? That's going to happen. We're talking about a little girl here, and the, do, the, the father has gone, and he sought out Jesus, and Jesus goes with him, and as he's going, he's enthronged by a bunch of people that are following him. Uh, and, uh, and there's a lady that's out on the street. And the Bible says she has an issue of blood. Now what that means is she's got a flow of blood. And you ladies probably know what I'm talking about here. But she's got a flow of blood that won't stop. Whether it's a hemorrhage or whatever the issue is, I don't know. But she's got a problem and that blood flow won't stop. And here's what you've got to understand is that woman is uh, is basically an outcast and a vagabond because of her natural condition that she's in. If we go over to Leviticus chapter 15, we start in the 25th verse, and it actually goes on before that, but uh, but I want to stay in the 25th verse because that's really the one that applies because it's it's when the when that condition goes on longer than uh, than it's supposed to. And guys, we know what we're talking about here. 
One of my favorite. I showed Amy this song a couple of uh, a couple, maybe it was a year ago or something. Everybody remember Jerry Reed? Does anybody remember Jerry Reed? He's a fantastic guitar player. If you don't know who he is by name, you may know him this way. Does everybody remember the snowman from Smokey and the Bandit? <laughs> That's who it is. That's Jerry Reed. And uh, and so he, he wrote a song that was about his wife, and he would talk about how much he loved his wife, but every once in a while she turned into a monster. <laughs> Well, this lady had an issue where the, it never stopped. It never stopped. And in Leviticus 15.25 it says, And if a woman have an issue of her blood many days out of the time of her separation. So you weren't allowed to approach a woman then because if you did, you would be unclean. See, she's not a leper. She doesn't have leprosy. Uh, a leper is not even allowed to be... If, they, if a bunch of people were coming toward a leper, a leper would have to start shouting out, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. This lady probably had to do something similar to that to a certain degree. Not only that, but listen here. Listen to this. Uh, because I think sometimes we have to be able to tie the practical part of it in to be able to really understand it and to be able to say, oh, I understand what this is saying now. This is something a lot of preachers will probably gloss over most of the time. But this is what this woman's problem was. I've heard people talk about her having an issue of blood as if it was some magic condition that she had. No, it was a physical ailment that... That she was suffering from and, and listen to this if the time of it is beyond the time of her separation meaning there was in the law there was a period of time from when she was not clean uh, to when she was uh, when she was be declared clean but this lady never got to the point where she'd be declared clean and so listen to what it says and listen to this and all the days of her issue, the, if the issue of her uncleanness shall be as the days of her separation. This woman, for 12 years, right, for 12 years, this woman has been unclean for something that she had no control over. For a physical symptom. But because of the symptom, she was declared unclean. And it had been 12 years. Can you imagine what's happened over the course of this 12 years? We, we look at this and, and the Bible tells us uh, that, uh, that she had spent all of her living, all of her substance, she had spent everything on the doctors to try to get a remedy. But there was no remedy to be had. I believe the doctors had told her that they were out of options. And that this was just the way that she was going to be for the rest of her life. Can you imagine the desperation in that woman? You know, that, that desperation that that woman's experiencing there, that's the desperation that a lost person needs to experience if they're going to get saved. They gotta realize that the condition that they're in is so desperate and so destitute that they have nothing in this world to hang on to, to, to try to seek out a remedy. That's what she was wanting. She was wanting a remedy, wasn't she? A remedy. Twelve years. 
And listen to this. It's not only that. Listen to what it says here in the 26th verse. And every bed, listen to this, everything this woman touched was declared unclean. Everywhere she went, it would would have followed her. Every bed whereon she lieth all the days of her issue shall be unto her as the bed of her separation. And whatsoever she sitteth upon shall be unclean and as the uncleanness of her separation. And listen to this. And whosoever toucheth those things shall be unclean and shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the even. And on the eighth day she shall be taken, and on the eighth day she shall take unto her two turtles or two young pigeons, and bring unto the priest to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And the priest shall offer one for a sin offering, and the other for a burnt offering. The priest shall make an atonement for her before the Lord for her the issue of her uncleanness. Folks, but the problem is is she had to cease with the physical ailment before she could go and give the offering to be declared clean. Now you think about that and you think about this, right? You have this man who goes on behalf of his daughter. She's probably uh, developed an acute illness, right? Some sort of illness that's come on quickly. Then you have a woman who's been dealing with something for 12 years. All at the same time. Well, that puts into perspective why the woman looked at Jesus and said, if I can just touch but the hem of his garment. Now, one of the, one of the other, uh, uh, I believe it's in Mark, uh, looks at him and says, if I could just touch his clothes. I want you to understand by the law what that means. It, by her touching Jesus' clothes, the hem of his garment, whatever you may want to refer to it as, If that's just a man, she just made him unclean. But Jesus isn't just a man, is he? Jesus is God. And you know what? Where where sin does abound, grace does much more abound, doesn't it? Amen? Man, that woman, look, (laughs) that woman experienced something. Amazing that day. Uh, let's go back over here to, to Mark and let's read about this woman. This woman who had the issue of blood. Remember, they're enthroned, and Jesus, he looks at John, uh, or Peter and John and James. They're the ones who went with him to go to, 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 uh, Yair's house, and, uh, and, and he looks at them, and he asks the question. He says, Who touched me? And they're enthroned with people. Now, this is the way I envision this conversation going down, right? Jesus turning and looking at Peter and James and John and saying, who touched me? And Peter and James and John looking at each other, wondering which one has the answer. Because <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and finally, Peter is the one that speaks up and says, Do you not see the multitude? And you ask us, 
who touched me. Verse 31 in Mark chapter 5. And the disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? How are you going to ask me a question like that when we don't have any way of knowing who it is that touched you? But Jesus knew it before he asked the question, didn't he? He knew it. You see, Jesus is omniscient. See, he's omnipotent. Grace is, and the power of God proceeded out from him. And it says that he perceived, I believe it's Luke that gives us this example. Luke says it's recorded this way. Let me get over here for just a moment. He says, and Jesus said, somebody hath touched me. This is in the 8th chapter of Luke in the 46th verse. Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out from me. Folks, only good things come from the Lord, don't they? Only goodness comes from the Lord. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever because of something I've done? No, because of what the Lord has done for me. What the Lord has done for me. You see, that woman knew in her desperation she had heard of Jesus and she knew that that's my only option. And if you're here today and you're lost and you've heard of Jesus and you're looking for some other way for deliverance, it ain't going to happen because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so we look at this here. And we see him look at this woman and she realized the goodness that had flowed out from the Lord and into her. And Luke records it this way. He says, And when the woman saw that she was not hid, right? Not hid from who? Not hid from Matthew? No, no, no. Not hid from John? No. Not hid from James? No. Not hid from the Lord. She wasn't hid from the Lord, was she? She was no more hid from the Lord than Adam was the day that the Lord asked him, Adam, where are you? He knew right where he was at, didn't he? He knew right where this woman was at. He, he looking around, uh, I believe it's Matthew. Matthew records it this way. Uh, he looks around, uh, but the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him the truth. Uh, uh, here in uh, Luke says it this way, uh, that she was not hid and she came trembling and falling down before him and declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him. And how, she, and how she was healed immediately. Folks, I don't believe in a progressive form of salvation. I believe salvation is immediate. When you get your heart in the right place with God, when you reach out, not with your hands, but when you reach out from the bottom of your heart, from the depths of your soul to God, hoping that He will cure your uncleanness, folks, in that moment, virtue proceeds out of God and you are immediately made whole. Immediately. 
And here's the thing. This woman declares her uncleanness. This woman declares her uncleanness before the Lord. And so I'm sure there were probably people there that needed to learn the lesson that Peter learned when he was in a trance on the housetop and he watched the sheet come down and it had all manner of four-footed beast in it. Uh, it had all manner of unclean animals in it. Verse 12 of chapter 10 of the book of Acts says this, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts, that means dangerous beasts, creeping things, that's, that's reptiles, right? Creeping things and fowls of the air. All manner of unclean flesh in this, in this knit sheet that drops down from heaven. And he's given a command that says, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter answers back and he says, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Jesus responds back. He says, What God hath cleansed. Call not thou common or unclean. He knew exactly what the Lord was talking about when he got to Cornelius' house uh, and he had seen that the Holy Ghost uh, poured out on them uh, and he said, Of a truth I perceive that God is not a respecter of persons. And here this woman who's been bound up in her uncleanness for 12 years, uh, Jesus looks at her and he says this, With her trembling, uh, Jesus turned about and he saw her. This is in the Matthew version, Jesus turned and he saw her. I believe when he asked them who touched him, I believe it was rhetorical. He knew who touched him and he knew where she was at. He looks at her. Remember, she's in fear and she's trembling because she knows what's happened in her. She knows what the Lord's done for her. But she also knows that she shouldn't have touched him. According to the law. Jesus looks at her and he calls her daughter. You know he's on his way to heal a daughter. He calls her daughter. He says, daughter, be of good comfort. This morning we talked about patience. And I talked about the definition of that word. The word here that's transcribed can also be looked at this way. Be of good cheer. Take heart. Take hope. Surrender be of good comfort here. It also could be be of a good courage. Like God told Moses and in a Joshua to be of a good courage then he tells her this thy faith hath made thee whole faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God she had heard about Jesus and she sought him out for a cure for her remedy and he said that she had tainted so I don't believe in progressive salvation I believe in immediate salvation upon the repentance and faith of the lost person Seeking God for salvation. And Jesus came into the ruler's house. But now, this is after all that's happened. He's still on his way to the ruler's house. He's still on his way to Yair's house, or Yairus, so depending on if you're reading the Greek or the Hebrew. And, uh, and he's still on his way there. And uh, 
And so uh, in, uh, in Luke, I believe it's in Luke, let me find it in Luke. Uh, in Luke, he says, he, he, is, he refers to it this way. Uh, while, while Jesus is having his interaction with the woman who's having the issue of blood, somebody comes from, from Yair's house. In verse 51, it says, and, and when he had come, I'm oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, in verse 49, it says, uh, and while he yet spake to the woman who had the issue of the blood, right, whom he had just, whom he had just healed from her, from her condition. Uh, you can't be unclean, lost, and undone before the Lord and expect to stand. And, and while he was talking to her, somebody come from the household of Yair. And he said, And while he yet spake, cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Then he says this of Jesus. Trouble not the master. There's no point in him coming. She's dead. Jesus heard it. Luke records it this way. <clears throat> it says, Fear not, believe only. You know what? We have a problem. Amongst ourselves nowadays. We listen to talking heads on TV and I'm afraid we put more credence in what they have to say than in just getting down and praying that God will take care of a situation and then trusting in Him for that. We're not downplaying anything, but I, a statistic came out recently that didn't shock me at all. The pandemic, right? COVID. How much of American news media has been negative? And how much of it's been positive? Now, in the rest of the world, it's really close to a 50-50 split. In the United States, the national news papers and networks covered it with 90% negative coverage. What's the point of doing that? To make everybody fear. To, to make everybody afraid. This man just comes to this woman or comes, comes, and, comes and says, the da your daughter's dead. There's no reason to trouble the master anymore. Jesus' response is, do you believe? Let me put it this way. Do you have faith? Do you believe? He says, that's enough. Believe only. Remember, the grain of mustard seed, right? If you will say to this mountain, be plucked up and be cast into the sea, then it'll happen. But it, it only takes the faith of a grain of a mustard seed. He's just told this man, if you believe, 
If you'll believe, don't be afraid. Believe only and she shall be made whole. Not she might be made whole. She shall be made whole. There's no wiggle room in that word. And when he come into the house, he suffered no man to go in. And, And I believe that's because none of them were worthy to go in. Because of their unbelief. Folks, our unbelief can cause us to miss out on many a blessing in life. And you just had this woman who was an outcast and a vagabond, and she, out of desperation, received a blessing from God. And here, here he says to Peter and James and John, and to the father and the mother of the maiden, that's it. That's all who went in. And all of them wept and bewailed her. They're getting ready for a funeral. But he said, weep not. Weep not. Don't be afraid. Folks, when we get saved, we get everlasting life, don't we? Do you know what? That means we'll never die. We'll we'll corporately die. The body will die, but we will never die. Do you not know that the scientific I'm going to use the sign the scientific and the artificial intelligence people they are working and working and I've mentioned this before but it just continues on they are trying to achieve immortality Their belief is that if they can just download their brain onto a database that they'll live forever. This is folly and foolishness. That's what they believe. Jesus says to them, Weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. Folks, we better be careful that we're not saying that God can't do something. Because there is nothing that God can't do. He can cure a woman who's been unclean for 12 years. And you know what he's about to do? He's about to show to Peter and James and John and Yair and his wife. He's about to show them that he alone can conquer death. Folks, we get saved. Isn't it a grand and a glorious thing to know that the one who cured our uncleanness is the one who also secures our victory over death. That's what Jesus does for us. He's going to secure it. Listen to what he says. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. That's the scientific community today. They don't believe in anything supernatural. You've got two supernatural events happening here. Salvation uh, or the curing of uncleanness, that's, that's a supernatural thing. That's a supernatural event. When you get saved, that's not an event that's quantifiable in the natural realm. It's supernatural. Folks, when he's going to raise this girl, that's not something that's quantifiable in the natural realm It is supernatural. Luke says this way, And he put all of them out, and he took her by the hand, and he called, and he said, Maid, 
arise. Now, Matthew, I think it's Mark that is the one who, uh, who actually says that he looks at her and says, Talitha kumai, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, rise at the commandment of the Lord. That woman, that young girl, that 12-year-old girl got up off her bed with the Lord reaching down <laughs> and lifting her up. That damsel got up and straightway the damsel arose and she walked. Folks, if you haven't been saved, you've got to be saved by the grace of God. There's no other way that we can be saved. It's by faith. It's by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not of works. Uh, that is the way. Uh, that is God's plan of salvation. It's through Jesus and Jesus alone. And just as he said to this damsel, just as he gave a commandment and she responded to it. There's a day coming, my brothers and sisters, where he's going to give a commandment. But only he's coming. He's not coming back like he came here, though. He's coming back in all of his glory, with all of his power. And one commandment is going to cause all the dead to rise. In Christ first, those of us that remain, and then those that or be on the left hand. Everyone will raise at the commandment of the Lord. He's the conqueror of death, folks. He is God. He's God. Let us thank the Lord this morning. I was I, I, the song that Brother uh, Williams saw, uh, chose at first. Oh, say, but I'm glad. I was like, well, this is my message today. Uh, if I just told people that this was my message today, we could just sing this song and go home. But then we would have gotten out way too early, probably. <laughs> Isn't it amazing what the Lord can do? We need to find that amazement in God more often. And then we need to hang on to it. That's my message this morning. I pray that you'll get a blessing out of it. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord in a free pardon forgiveness of sin, there's no day like today. Today is the day. Now is the time. It's, it's not something that needs to be put off. Seek the Lord while you have time and opportunity. That's my message. Brother Williams, if you've got a song.